Hello and welcome to Speaking of Conversations on Voice, Speech and Identity with me, Ryan O'Shea. In each episode, I'm talking with a guest who has a real question about voice, speech or presence. Then I'm guiding them through concepts and exercises to help them and you understand a bit more about their question. In this episode, I'm joined by my friend Kevin Whitmire. Kevin is a wonderful actor and teaching artist. In our conversation, we talk about masculine versus feminine voice, gay voice, and which versions are our real voice. While his question was originally framed from the context of performance, I think we touched on some issues that are really relevant for everyone. Also note that I use a curse word that starts with a f and ends with a k. So if that offends you, you might be in the wrong place. Here we go. So, Kevin... Hello. Hi, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for being here. <laughs> Let's, I want to start by just saying a bit about who you are. Yeah, I'm a human. No, <laughs> end, I, end of podcast. End of podcast. <laughs> no, um, I'm from Amishtown, Pennsylvania. I'm very close with my family. So oh. Lancaster, there's always a talk about Lancaster versus Lancaster. Ooh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I guess it's a little bit more dialect or no accent. I don't know. I, I feel that way. Even like when people are like Wilshire Boulevard, yes. I'm like you can't do that. Exactly. It is Wilshire. Yeah. yeah. So uh, <laughs> performance has always been a forefront in my life, I guess, overall. So I've been performing since I was little, and then I pursued it in higher education. I have my master's degree, um, and I teach now. And I'm a, currently an admissions counselor as well. Uh, so I write and do a lot of my own work. So I see a lot of art and theater, and live performance, I think, is is very important to me. Um, so I think that that's a little bit about my background overall. And I have a lot of uh, training in Fitzmorris and Linklater. So I've been been able to compare and contrast, I guess. But my journey, I guess, with voices, because I'm also a, believe it or not, a, a homosexual man. Oh, Kevin, I had no idea. I know, I know, right? But that's my <laughs> private life. So I guess one of the things I was excited to come on and talk to you about was this whole idea of masculine and feminine voice. Because yeah. I think I talked a little bit about how I'm from Amishtown, Pennsylvania. So I think growing up in that area, it was very Republican. I had two older brothers um, and then a really great dad, very Republican family. Um, so with that mindset, and we're a farmer family. So the education is great. But in that sense, there's a lot of, you know, dad instead of dad. Oh, you know, yeah. a yeah, little yeah, bit yeah. of that, like, you know, back, you say it again for yeah, me? backwater moments. Um, so it's a little bit of, Hey, we got a text message, a little bit of, yeah. um, a little bit of like, instead of like dad, it would be like dad, like, Ooh. Oh, my dad. Yeah. So like the, I yeah, guess yeah. that's like the eh, eh, inversion. Eh, eh, yeah. I guess. Yeah. 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 Which I never understood. And I always heard that a lot when I actually was getting my master's degree. And I remember my speech teacher would always say to me, like, we would be like, Oh, you get a correction. And be like, thank you. And they'd be like, thank you. Thank, thank you. It's like, oh, that open pat. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But anyway, I was just really intrigued by this concept of masculine and feminine voice because I noticed um, when I did a lot of classical text and speaking a little bit more deeper in my lower range, that was, you know, my chest, my hard wood, my (laughs) that kind of um, intensity. So that... I noticed would get a lot of um, feedback as far as this is where you should be speaking from, Kevin. This is very intense. You are a man, like you're commanding space. But then in my everyday life, I have such a musicality. And it's very similar to both my brothers who are straight, married, happy, beautiful, wonderful men. Yeah. And 
I also was recently at a bachelor party for luckily, lucky enough in, in, you know, Los Angeles. Yeah. And I was the token gay man, which I'm great with. I'm fine. You know, I can keep up with them. I shoot a gun. I can spit like a man. (laughs) Um, So not, you know. Spit like a man. Spit like a man. (laughs) But in that sense, um, I noticed I felt like I had the more masculine voice of the litter. And maybe that's in my head, but just listening to how uh, deep I was, maybe it doesn't sound that way now. Sorry for everyone listening. But I, I felt that my voice was a bit more quote unquote, masculine than them. So I I question because in everyday society and how we listen and how we perceive sounds, this masculine versus feminine, especially in a world where androgyny is the forefront. And how does that fall into performance? Yeah. I mean, to me, it's also bringing up this larger question of as speech trainers, how are we telling people they should sound? And there, there's the way that we choose to sound in our everyday lives, right? There's also the, the prescribed way that a lot of us are told that we're supposed to talk. Yeah, the right um, and wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think that a lot of theater training in particular really reinforces that. And I've seen in my own work as a speech teacher that people are really getting away from that. Yeah. That like when I was in grad school for getting my MFA in acting, you know, this was 2010 through 2012. So not that long ago, we were doing the standard American accent, Edith Skinner, this, yeah. this, uh, really like, uh, Joan Crawford, not Almost Joan Crawford. RP. Who am I? Yeah. Who am I thinking? I said Joan Crawford, but that's not, I'm not, she, I'm not she can also do that. She can also do a little, she had a great career. Uh, the name is gonna, is gonna haunt me, but the, uh, very like classic Hollywood, the very dropped jaw, this, yes. this very open sound. Yes, right. And definitely. yeah. And also known as the, the standard mid Atlantic accent, of course. of course, nothing is in the middle of the Atlantic, but right. fish. Yeah. <laughs> right. So it's a totally prescribed accent and, it's taught less in school, but there are, and, and, and even when I was in school, we were, it was very much framed as this is an accent that yeah. you might use if you're doing Shakespeare, if you're doing some contemporary speakers, but not this is the way that you must talk throughout Definitely. your, your life, right? Mm-hmm. But it does bring up this, this question of, you know, there's all of this, biases that exists in the world. Is biases a word? I, I just suddenly panicked about you, that. No, it feels like it is. Bias. If biases. it's not, it is one now. <laughs> I um, said it confidently. I said it was great it support. It is real. Exactly. Uh, yeah. There's all this bias against that we all have about how we think we should sound, how yeah. we think a quote man sounds, exactly. a woman sounds, right? And, and most of it is based on bullshit on the patriarchy on white supremacy exactly and also i think the voice is very personable and personal or personal yeah we're making up words i know it's so good but i feel um yeah it's almost like your diary that it's your song in a way yeah and they always say like taking voice classes or kind of pursuing that it's so vulnerable yeah so speaking out aloud is something uh, because you're more conscious of of your your voice yeah and i think too when i would take like dialect classes and we would do this standard you know this this kind of rp quality yes um i'm such a rule breaker that i'm like this isn't how someone sounds i should be like this or why am i doing this and the teacher would say yes you can break rules 
rules. You can break rules, Kevin, but you need to know the base. So in a way, it's nice that they give you this like, you know, streamline and then you can layer up, you can layer down. Um, But I think it's when the layering starts happening for me that maybe my insecurities of, you know, society and what is masculine, what is feminine. And um, that's when I start layering that I I start getting, you know, that insecure, insecure quality. And I just literally have to think about character. But, you know, when you get these opportunities to, you know, just be, you know, auditioning for this car commercial and be yourself. You are you. Yeah. That's, I think, what it gets challenging for me because it's not like Puck in Midsummer where yeah. I can connect and be like, oh, he's a little creature here. Yeah. Or it's not, you know, like you don't have the background, I guess, where it's almost just you. Yeah. So then the vulnerabilities, I think, surface. What What is your sense of what your feminine voice is and that could be like you in this moment connect to it and 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 talk in that voice or a sense of like when it tends to show up like the people that you're with the environment that you're if right yeah that you're with what is your sense of the difference in your voice between the feminine versus the masculine um you know it's challenging because I don't want to say anything that's, you know, and I, I guess it's lighter. I think yeah. there's a softer quality to it. Yeah. I think, but the, I also don't mean that in um, an indirect way because I think that there's a strong direction, like, you know, that happens with the feminine voice that's equal to the masculine voice. But yeah. I think that there's sometimes an unsurety in thought process. So the okay. unsurety and uh, well, not knowing exactly in this moment, in particular right now too, yeah. what a guy's saying, I think you can question what the train of thought is, which allows the voice to almost be intense. But what is that background? And that's not the same for every character. Yeah. But I do think that there is an intensity that happens with the female voice. I mean, um, do you have a sense of this even like in your day-to-day life? Like yeah, do you as Kevin? I do. And I think sense? then I have to pull back from, you know, this idea of masculine and feminine and almost just literally speak to a gay voice, like okay. a homosexual man, yeah. that kind of voice. Because I think that, you know, there's they talk, you know, and have the yeah. and like things like that. And I think... um Yeah, that's probably the true challenge. And I guess that that would be deep rooted in more of my own insecurities. Yeah. But then I'm also dating someone right now who's amazing. Uh Um, But anyway, uh, he smokes and Uh he's from Boston Uh and he's a very deep, like deep, like kind of like, like broy voice. Like you would never, like on the phone, like you'd never know. Like it's just like, I can't even get, you know, I haven't smoked enough to have that voice. But um, his voice is very sexy to me. And I think it's like, you know, that, um, idea that he is very open he's very gay but that juxtaposition for me is very sexy yeah but it's not pushed it's not forced yeah and i think that finding that fallback for me would be important but i guess to come back to your question of what do i associate with that i guess it's like tone tonality and register of where you place it um a little bit more of like a head register i think are you are you like who does it show up with like who who are you with when you feel like your your voice is like do you feel like you code switch like Uh, when i'm at work i tend to speak in more this sort of voice and when i'm with my best friend yeah. yeah so what are when are what are the type of environments or contexts where you're Gay, yeah, quote, yeah, yeah. gay voice, right? Comes well, out. I'm a Gemini, so there's many facets <laughs> to my personality, I guess, as I'm a chameleon. Yeah. Um, so I think, too, when I'm with my friends and when I let go, and then when I hear, like, a video that was recorded or a Snapchat or a, you know, 
something like that, then I'm like, oh, wow, I sound really gay. Ooh, ooh. And but, there is a feeling of like, oh, yeah, oh God. Yeah, you okay. tighten up a bit. You're like, that's how I sound. That's the placement Why of my that? voice. Why do you think that is? I think it's placement. I do. Oh, okay. And I do wish tell me, I... Tell me what you mean by placement. Um. Okay, so like right now, I think I'm talking a little bit more how I would talk in everyday life. So this is kind of like my natural placement would be here. And I'm just kind of like talking, yeah, I don't know. I don't know placement what Placement is in like the range, range of pitch, yes, like exactly, pitch range. Exactly. Okay, great. Like yeah. lower in your pitch range. Exactly. Okay. And then I think when I have more of a masculine voice, it's more in this register. Uh-huh. But I also come back to, I don't know, maybe this is bizarre, but I think too of a mime class that I taught. I taught and then I did a workshop with another person that was in the workshop. Anyway, this um, gentleman kind of chatted with me a bit about how you should really take three seconds. Always take three seconds. Even before you say your name, even before you, you know, answer anything. So it'd be like, hi. Hi. You know, and it kind of commands that space to you. And I think it also allows me to pre-program too, like where my voice is, mm. how I'm directing it, where my range is or where it lives yeah. in, in my body. If it's in my chest, if it's coming from, you know, like my third eye chakra, or if it's, you know, a little blocked, I can kind of really feel that if I rush. Yeah. And I think in everyday life, I rush as opposed to being more calculated. What would be the benefit of being more calculated? I guess the confidence of having more control um, and not allowing it to be organic. I don't think that there's an organic quality, I guess, that surfaces in my everyday today if I'm just kind of oh, running with that. See, I would I would say it's the opposite. Really? Yeah, I think the the waiting for three seconds, like if it's uh, in that moment, I need that three seconds because I'm really orienting to the person in front of me or yeah. I'm really feeling into something as a way of grounding me, right? Yeah. Then, yeah, sometimes it can be so useful to take that, right? But but if in this moment I'm engaging and my impulse is a, is a hello and it's, yeah. you know, feminine, like to me that is the organic, that is true. your voice. You have a, a, I guess you have time to place where it's coming from and then you have time yeah. to in a way be calculated. I'm just a very calculated person. So if I yeah. give myself the three seconds, I'm literally going to be like, oh, make sure it's here. See, and I would describe make sure that. it's here. I think I, you're a playful person. True. I feel like that it's a... Uh, calculated to me feels like a, there's a manipulative element to that. And that's, that's not you at all. It's yeah. a, there's a curiosity, there's a play, there's a, huh, if I were to talk in this range, how would I be? That's, that's yeah. my sense of this versus I, I think a lot of my experience with you is with our mutual friend, Jess, who, yeah. you know, I see you very at ease with her and I don't see you pausing and being as uh, and, careful. And that's the gay voice. Yeah, that's know. the gay voice that I'm talking about. And does that feel like cringe to you? When I hear it back, yeah. Oh, yeah. Or like if I was another human, I would be like, I don't want to be his friend. You well, know, okay. and I think that that's, that's the thing is when you are natural around your friends, I think that's when I guess our, our true voice comes out. Yeah. So then I look at too how much I put on. How how much am I putting on yeah. um, when I when I guess I'm performing or, or taking those three seconds. Yeah. And that's my question. Which version, which feels like you're putting on? Um, I'm more pleased with the latter. So yeah. with, with the three seconds and with the more uh -huh. masculine voice. But then now, like, you know, you do question that. So you yeah. do like, and I think once, you know, you lose that organic quality, I, I keep saying organic, 
But I, I think once you lose that um, freedom yeah. in your voice, like the musicality almost gets limited, yeah. like the thoughts um, in a way. So yeah, I guess I guess you lose that. Which yeah, is- and here's why I think I think that all of them are your voice. That's the reality. I mean, yeah. you in this moment you know, in your quote unquote masculine voice, like you still feel so present to me. This is still a conversation. This is your voice, right? It's not, oh, now Kevin is faking something. And those other times are some camp made up version, right? They're all you. The reason that I think that it's not, and this is something that I would say to like actors that I'm coaching as well, that it's not so useful to focus on the sound of my voice exclusively mm. because I can only focus on one thing at a time. True. So if I'm giving my energy to the sound of my voice, then I can't give my energy and I can't give my attention to the person in front of me. 100%. I think you're better at this because you're also a really brilliant actor that you can do. I know it's true, (laughs) but you can, you, but really, but you can fluidly go little check-in. There's my voice and then easily go back to the other person. Not everybody's so good at that. Well, you're kind. And to pull off of this, it's funny because I was thinking about the same thing of what is it that makes it, I guess, more natural. And I think that I'm looking at you in the eye right now. I have someone, a partner that I'm connecting with. So even though I do take those three seconds and I do take the time to align myself and check in, once I find that placement and where it's going to live, then I have that, I guess, outer being and I'm focusing. So then I'm not focusing on that anymore. in a way preset i put my car in yeah. drive con- cruise control drive yes. control <laughs> but yeah you do that and then you can kind of push that out so it's always about the other person which can become challenging i guess in monologues or in your day-to-day where you feel like you may not be connecting with someone because yeah. in you know a scene or in those moments where you know you have a scene partner they've done the work they're looking at you they're committed they're connected or you know when you're doing a monologue maybe or when you're (laughs) in your everyday today maybe you know they haven't had coffee you're you know staring at a room full of people that are looking down you don't have that so it's another added pressure i think where then you can kind of come back and and i guess question and be vulnerable and then i guess it comes back to the voice like maybe maybe the voice is the root of vulnerability for human and we just don't really realize it yeah i i think that the voice is also where I feel people. Yeah. And again, I, I think that you're an example of somebody who can have an aware, and I do this too, right? Of if I feel, if I feel that I'm, I'm in an area, like I'm getting really amped up, I'm getting really passionate about something. And suddenly like I'm in my higher range. I don't tend to go, Oh, I need to talk lower yeah. and fix it. To me, I go, Oh, I'm getting really amped up. And I know that that's true because of the sound of my voice. Yes. So I'm going to adjust and, and calm myself down. Ooh, okay. For me, in other words, the voice, the sound of the voice is always a side effect to how I'm feeling. It's always a side effect to what I'm connecting to. Yeah. So if I'm connecting to uh, an awareness that I'm in a room of a bunch of straight men yeah. and I'm the only woman... I'm going to be, I'm, I'm going to have my very connected, uh, in Fitzmaurice voice work, we would call it structured voice, right? Yeah. My, my lower register, I, I'm not so interested in being the, this, uh, like sort of like flirty girl sort of thing. Yeah. But if I'm with 
my boyfriend, I have moments of going, Cam, of yeah. whining, right? Because what I'm connecting to in that moment is, give me something. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I want water. I want a beer, right? And yeah. I and I put on that tone. But I, then that's your masculine and feminine voice. Yeah, that's exactly. it. So it's just like that comfortability with Cam, exactly. that comfortability with my but friends. But it's not based on the sound itself. It's based it on what you side, want. It's a side effect of the context. Oh. The context is. I'm with my my boyfriend and I'm feeling whiny. I, I want something. There's a need yeah. there. I might be a little whiny. Yeah. If I'm with my boyfriend and I'm feeling really just so grateful for him in the moment, which happens daily, honestly, then I do have those moments of, Kim, thank you so much. There, I'm, I'm so aware of how supportive you are and I'm just so grateful for that. And this is my voice. If I'm talking to my grandma, my, my voice might change. If yeah. I'm talking to... A student. Yeah, the relationship. Uh, yeah, it's it's code switching, but it's also context true. switching. And I think that the same is true for you. And it's not that your quote unquote feminine or gay voice is uh, like the sound is different, but it's because the context is so different. different. Yeah, too. Yeah, and then you're organically responding to that context. Definitely. That is your voice. Yeah. And I think too, in moments like when you talk about um, your significant other, yeah, and that's like they, I feel our significant others know our voice pretty well, more so than anybody else, because they listen to us rant, they listen to us, oh yeah, like love them, they listen to us experience all the emotions, yep. they listen to us yeah, singing yeah, yeah. in the shower. Um, so my thing with that is, I feel then when I go into these more masculine voices, which is what we're talking about, so I keep saying masculine voices, but when I go yeah. into a lower register, yeah, where I try to find that, yeah, um, it's almost. I don't know. I think that they can kind of look at you in a way, call bullshit. They can look at you and say, that, I, what's this? What, what is this? And that's where I would say it's because you're connecting to the sound rather than the feeling. True. Where, you know, in the same way that if I, I, I talked about this in a, in another episode, but in the same way that if I were like, ooh, I want Kevin to know that I'm a serious person. Yeah. So I'm going to put on my serious voice. Yes. Right. And it, if this were voiceover work, if I were doing a cartoon character, that could be perfect, yeah. right? For giving you a very direct connection to this character, right? Yeah. Where the voice is telling you most of the story. But when we're one-to-one -one with a person, we go, that's weird. Yeah, There's something that's just a little bit off, right? Where instead, if what I'm connecting to, if I want you to take me seriously, well, then... I, I want you to take me seriously because I know what I'm talking about. So I'm going to connect to my knowledge. I'm going to connect to my understanding of what it is that I'm saying and my desire to share it with you and for you to understand. Definitely. And if I'm in that place, my voice will probably sound more serious versus if I were connecting to, ooh, I just want to be really playful with Kevin. Yeah. And so I'm going to connect to my silly side. Silly crazy. Right. Yeah. 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 And so yeah. then suddenly I'm feeling this, this sort of very organic voice coming on. Right. And yes. it's, it's still my voice. It's different than going, and so now I'm going to do this. Yeah. Well, voice, and, I, right? and I also will say for people that can't watch, I'm watching you sway in your body yes. when you're doing this voice. And then I'm also, though, when you're talking about connection, I look at you looking at me in the eye, leaning forward a bit. Yeah. So you're a bit more grounded in your chair. She's yeah. sitting in a chair. Everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, so with that, I will say I always approach character work uh, through the body first. Yeah. And I find that, I, and maybe there's no right and wrong. There's no right and wrong. We're all artists. You're all painting. 
but I always <laughs> explore with the body first. And, yeah. and that's just my background of like aerial work, some trapeze stuff. And I teach movement theater. So with that, I love, um, starting with the body first. Yeah. And I find that that's a way that allows me also to get out of my head with that. Yes, um, exactly. Because that, that mind-body connection with the voice should also be connected, which I think totally. ultimately is why we take, you know, voice classes and vocal training yeah. to connect our body to our voice. So yeah. It's not just floating around in the ether. Yeah. So once I think I get, you get more conscious of your voice when you take more classes. So that's yeah. when like things start lingering like, Huh, is my voice a little masculine, a little feminine? Am I gay right now? So all those things that are out of our control. So I do try to bring it back to the body. And I just wanted to say that because I saw that in your voice and your body. Yeah. um, That my voice is my full self. Yeah. My whole being, my whole presence. Absolutely. And I do I think that brings us back to what we were talking about at the top of how theater training, actor training can be so great. And then there are also ways that can be so prescriptive in a way that's actually limiting our humanity. Yeah. That if my belief is that the the accent that I should have as an actor is this very general American accent or the standard American accent, right, then that means that I have to lose some of the regionalisms from my accent and therefore feels like lose a little bit of my identity. Yeah, you have to right? find a way, I guess, to make sure it's yeah. still authentic and truthful yeah. to you. And because, you are a gay man. You know? You know? And it's... That accent being part of your voice, as you spoke about the the guy you're dating, you know, obviously not everybody, everybody that is gay is going to sound no, like 100%, this. No, 100%. And right? that's why I wanted to reference that but, as well. But yes, there is, there is an accent, a voice that many homosexual men have. Yeah. There's also, there's, there's accents that people of different races have. The quote unquote general American accent tends to refer to the way that white Americans speak. Again, Which, yeah. not across the board, but it's, we like to codify things. Yes. Agreed. And create judgments with that. And it's human nature and not inherently evil by any means. But when as, Artists, when as teachers, I think especially, we start to go, you, this voice that you have, Kevin, makes you seem like you're gay and that's not hireable, that's not castable, we need to change this, then it is asking you to remove a little bit of your identity. And that is fucking sucks. Yeah, it does. Well, it feels personal too. I will say this is a side story, but it's just, um, I was playing Leaf Coney Bear in Putnam County Spelling Bee. This is forever ago. For those of you who don't know that, he's a hippie homeschool, really great kid. Awesome. Great role. Oh, from, anyway, this, from the musical? Yes, the okay. musical. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So it's a musical. But I remember I was going through a really rough breakup at the time. And this is like someone that loves life, very large. Um, so I tried to just, in a way, embrace this voice, this character in such a way that I was like, this is who he is. And then I remember one of my mentors at the time said to me, you know, we're aware that you're going through this breakup. We know what's happening. For you to walk on stage and not allow the audience to see that we will not believe your leaf. And you're a very great actor and you can kind of mimic and do a caricature very well, but you're doing yourself a disservice and the play a disservice and not telling the true story if you don't allow a little bit to, of that to trickle in. And then I went home and I got mad and I, you know, I was just like, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm an awful actor. This is going to be awful. How am I yeah. going to ever do this? But then um, I thought about it. And then I just went through the script and there's this one line that he sings where it's like, at least I'm finally apart. 
And that line in of itself was like the heartbeat for me of, of Leaf. I could just really feel like he's so finally happy to be like a part of something. And this is so exciting for him to walk in and be like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm a part. Of, this is it. This, I'm so like excited to be here. And it's yeah. just like, that's so heartbreaking then when he does get out and just kind of knowing that that's his acceptance. Um, so it allowed me to kind of allow that song, that moment to really have that like, you know, I'm I'm finally a part of something. This is what I'm going through. You're connecting to what's truly going on in yes. your body, exactly. your mind, all of it. Yeah. And I think um, it's it's similar, I think, with the voice, because then that kind of really came along for the ride. And I think it's when we don't embrace things, as you were saying, like when I walk on stage, I'm like, you know, doing a King Lear monologue. And I'm just like, all right, no, you are not a gay man now. <laughs> Now he will, thou nature art my Maybe goddess. Maybe King Lear to thy had you know? some, some exactly, experiments exactly. And before think, he was married. Right? Maybe during his maybe marriage. Maybe during. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we missed it backstage in the show. Billy didn't write about it, didn't he? It didn't happen. Exactly. And I think allowing your imagination, which is the best possible tool that you have as actors, performers, artists, creators, whatever you are, um, using your imagination to be that forefront. So I think that once I started to, you know, come back to the text, which you always can do and find these things that ground you, I think I was able to make that a part of that. And I think it's when I do get these, you know, tasks or these callbacks that are, you are a vampire and you're yourself and you're doing this, you know, car commercial. All right, great. Do this and speak it like <laughs> a you. A vampire yeah. selling cars. Yeah, exactly. It's like, what is this? Well, who are you? And so it's when you don't have those contexts, how do you pull back in that? And I think, again, you know, it does come down to this idea. Not that this is the answer. This is the answer, everybody. We figured but it out. We figured yeah. it out. But hearing you say kind of it's inauthentic to walk in and try to be something else while you're trying to be something else. Yeah. While in society, we're already trying to be something else. So it's, it's, yeah. it's mind-blowing. The, so, same, the same principle is true even for non-performers. If true. I am talking to another person and I feel myself getting nervous because I don't like the sound of my voice and then I try to overcorrect, yes. that person is going to feel my nervousness or my anxiety or yeah. whatever it is about it, right? Because of mirror neurons, which we'll say for another episode, they respond to my anxiety. They start to feel that anxiety in their own body. They're not going to love being around you, right? It's going to feel overwhelming. Definitely. And then if you try to jump ahead to the sound of your voice, they're not going to get to hear what it is you're saying. They're not going to, to get to feel what it is that you're saying. And so, so we have to, even in our day-to-day -day life, we have to remember that it's connecting to the what yeah. it is that we're saying, the meaning behind the intention. why we're speaking, our intention and, that matters. Yeah. And even with, uh, you know, as performers, our job is to really tell the story. Ultimately, it's like we're storytellers. People are in the audience aren't coming to be like, let's go hear really great voices. God, no, that's yeah. a concert. That's that's a whole, yes. that's that's a called, you know, a singer. Yes. Um, but not that we're not singers or you can go to a musical and you, you want to hear and, and see the story. So once it starts getting to be about myself, and what my role in the show, as opposed to this is this is the journey, like those moments, I think really pull you out of it, um, with the audience out of yeah. it, you the audience. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Kevin. Of I, course. This was this was great, and thank you for sharing a little bit about. I, I think it's uh, really 
it can be really vulnerable to share questions about your voice, especially that are so closely related to your identity. So no, I really definitely. appreciate you sharing. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's I think it's a concept that I've just been grappling over over like over time in yeah. my training because as you train more and you go back and you read your acting journals and your notes, yeah, I've just always been dabbling on this idea because I've always tried to be something I wasn't, I guess, for so long. Yeah. Um, and now I'm I'm a grown adult man. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I, I've, I've seen some struggling, you know, so I'm not a teenager. I'm not in my young 20s. There's definitely insecurities that will always linger, but I think that I'm able to own a bit more. But I'm still very fascinated with this idea of voice. And especially, you know, as we do blend this gap, I feel like my children and my children's children in like, you know, 40 years, there's probably going to be no gender. It's just, I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. So I, I'm just really curious about that concept. But it is very prevalent in a lot of, you know, classic text, um, which we've referenced a couple times, but it's also very prevalent in, you know, a lot of modern texts as well, especially when it's just us. Um, and we're supposed to just be us. Yeah. Am I enough? <laughs> you are. You are. We all are. Yeah. But thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. That was Kevin Whitmire. And just an aside, if you're interested in hearing Kevin's feminine voice, you must check out the Instagram of a character he's developed named Karen Beaches. I really just want you to see it because Kevin is so funny in the role. And if you're in LA, you can find Karen performing live at drag shows throughout the city. If you like what you heard, please be sure to subscribe in Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. I'll be releasing new episodes bi-weekly from now on, so if you subscribe, the next episode will be ready in your feed on Wednesday, May 22nd. Finally, a review of what you liked or took away from today's episode is always, always, always so appreciated. Until next time, bye! Bye!